0: Another Solid Gold Podcast. Wherever in the world you are, we hope it's a beautiful sunny one and that you're feeling at... Absolutely fabulous, darling. Yes, it is that time for the two non-blondes. Can we call ourselves non-blondes, Jenny Baxter? Maybe, but we are blonde now. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it's just a pigment of your imagination. Anyway, I'm Melanie Walker, sitting here in Johannesburg. and It's a lovely, beautiful, sunny day. And it looks like it is one layer where Jenny is in Cannes. And, well, are you in Cannes? Oh, no, you're not. You're back in your little place in Antibes. How are you I'm doing? In... Hi, Mel. I'm in Antibes, but I have wonderful news from
1: Cannes, where I've been the last few days because it's the Cannes Film Festival uh, is that I went to go and see Sarafina this weekend. Do you remember yes. I said that it um, got officially invited back to the film festival, the most prestigious film festival in the world and um, unbelievably but of course uh, predictably it got another huge standing ovation. Can you believe it? 31 years makes me cry 31 years after it was first released um in Cannes, and it had a 20 minute uh ovation the first time so it wasn't as long as 20 minutes but still it was just incredible as a south african to stand in that audience and watch uh lolita kumala and Anand singh just get embraced (laughs) you are actually about to burst into tears aren't you i've no, it was (laughs) it was really 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 just such a proud moment such a moving moment to see this um south african film stand the test of time you know they've they've added a few new scenes one with miriam makeba which is just beautiful um I was watching with Cassie and she actually and some other people from overseas who loved the film. um, But Cassie actually grabbed me during um, Liletti and Miriam's song, which is Mother, Thank You and it 's a beautiful story about uh, i mean of course it 's about South African politics, but it 's also about mother daughter relationships mm. and how much mothers do and it 's just been mother 's day, so it was uh, in South Africa and other parts of the world, so it was incredibly meaningful Aww. and okay. and then and then we interviewed them on the beach afterwards and uh, which was just wonderful and uh, they 're just so interesting you know there 's just a it's, it's like going gold mining. You, you just keep coming up with more and more treasure the longer you speak to people like that who are so talented.
0: Treasure hunting is always good fun. Regardless of whether yeah. people or other stuff, um, I mean, we are going be talking. Yeah, I, I do know. Yes, I do. I do. Um, but uh, we've got a lot about. Me, <clears throat> sorry, frogs in my throat. So I've been kissing all those, those frogs again, <laughs> looking for my prince. Prince <clears throat> has not happened French yet. Boys, French frogs. Yeah, <laughs> frogs legs. Eating those. Right, they're stuck in my crawl. No, <laughs> let's stop using. But um, we've got a lot about books and movies on today's episode, which is really, really great because um, we yes. we love the whole entertainment side of things. There, of course, before we get to that, there are some more things um <clears throat> to talk about um i yes. believe that uh, one of our esteemed ministers was on the bbc recently
1: <gasps> yes yesterday and and you know he said south africa could become a failed state, um, which is quite a big thing to say. But if you listen to the interview, he was more saying, yes, it could, but it's not journeying in that direction. Um, but of course, the BBC went with the headline, you know, that well, South Africa's NC mm, Secretary General
0: said. Could just be telling porcupines, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Didn't he say something about load shedding would be ended by the end of December? Yes, he did. And, I seem um, to remember somebody called Cyril saying, like, you know, there will be no more load shedding within a year of me coming into presidency of South Africa.
1: Yeah. How many well, years ago was that? Were saying, <laughs> a lot of people were saying, you know, why, why was it um, Fikela who did the interview and not Cyril Ramaphosa? Why isn't he owning up and, you know, and doing it's BBC hard talk. Why isn't he doing these international hard talks? But, I mean, I think fikela did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he explained himself on a few things, and but it, he also had some controversial statements. So read SAPeople.com for the best comments out of it, plus um, Wherever you are in the world, it is now on BBC World Service Radio from uh, Wednesday, 24 May. So you can listen to the whole thing yourself on the latest
0: state of South Africa. I know there's like a 17-page um, document from ESCOM going, doing the rounds at the moment. And a friend said to me, shall I send it to you so you can read it? I said, you know what? Please don't. <laughs> it's depressing enough already, okay? I don't want to like get even more downhearted about it. If I have to read anything about the shenanigans, uh, uh, what, what, what have they called it? ESCOM? Mega Corrupt Park. Now, what is the name that somebody changed it to on, oh, on Google? Yes. yes. Oh, my shutter. That was just one of the funniest things with people <laughs> changing loot freely. Albert yes. Loot Freely House. <laughs> the Chief Albert Loot Freely House and Eskom Mega Gravy Train Park. <clears throat> so yes. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if I'm going to read anything about the shenanigans, then I think I might delve into Andre DeReiter's book on uh, oh. Truth to Power, um, which. Uh, which is um, Kind of making quite a storm. I mean there has been a storm around the whole thing with the um, So <laughs> yes. it would be quite interesting to read about you know <laughs> the, the powerlessness well, we, that he may have felt
1: We have an excerpt on SA people um, so so you can get a taste of it there before buying it and it is um, Going to, it is available for expats in ebook form we'll have more details on that on the site um, yesterday you know Fikele refused to. well he didn't want to talk about it mm.
0: um, with the BBC but, but of course he landed up talking about it now one thing I do have to say about this okay yes don't be one of those power thieves okay if you get sent a copy of the book by somebody don't illegally download Okay, you know this is if if people keep on stealing the books, and I saw like a couple of journalists on Facebook and other places saying, "Don't do it because then the publishing houses are never going to be able to print books, and you know what? Then then Mm. it's just a complete mess." Mm. Um, So don't do it. You know, if you want to take a, a hard copy and lend it to your friend, that's fine. But you know, taking it online and downloading it where you haven't paid for it. That's actually just doing the whole of the publishing industry a big disservice. Oh, but that was the one that I, I love this whole thing with Herman Mashaba. <laughs> I know. The, the so unauthorized thing which he paid 12 million Rand to the writer to write. And Jonathan Ball has just said, well, we're just pulling this. Is it Jonathan Ball? We're pulling yes. it off the shelves. Well, <clears throat> yeah, we can always use yeah. it as a coloring in book, can't we?
1: and jonathan ball is the same publisher as the um daisy excerpt that we were talking about last
0: week the big new book yes and we're of course now talking to the author of that book you know jen i think that many people may be forgiven for sometimes thinking that i may be a serial killer the way i go on about the way that people drive on the roads here in south africa but there's there's a story that does come to mind and i've often wondered If it was actually as bad as it was said to be, we're talking about in the early 1900s here in SA. Daisy DeMalka, the most famous female serial killer of them all. Or was she? Well, there's a new Mm -hmm. book that's just been brought out by somebody who we've um, spoken about quite a lot here on SA People, who I've interviewed about his other books before as well, Ted Buerta, who's joining us today to tell us a bit more about this wonderful release. Was she a serial killer, Ted?
2: Um, That is uh, commonly thought, but she was only found guilty of one murder, which was her son. But uh, the evidence seems to be quite stacked up against her, that she killed as many as ten people, maybe uh, more. Um, So, uh, when somebody uses poison, as Daisy was wont to do, um, it's Pretty difficult to find a connection between the poison and the person, which is why poison is such a like a, a chosen method of killing people and or it was back in those days, because you have to connect the person to the poison and if there's no one who said "I sold them poison or they don't find poison in their possession, you can pretty much get away with it.
0: Well, oh. that's what I want to know. Is this book, is this book actually going to give us any hints on how to get away with it <laughs> if we need to? <laughs> no, that's just, I'm joking, I'm joking. I know Jenny's got lots of questions for you about this book. And um, it is a story which has kind of captured the imaginations of so many people over the years. There have always been these characters. And finally, having them brought to us in print is a great way of finding out about our history. So, Jen, what is your first big binding question?
1: Well, for me personally, I didn't grow up in Johannesburg, so I had never heard about Daisy until Ted started writing about her. But ever since he started, I realized she's a legend, uh, you know, amongst people in Gauteng, and I don't know about the rest of the country outside of Durban. So, so, Ted, what is it that made her stand out so much? Is it because she's female? Is it the poison? Is it that she could even kill her own child? Like...
2: Well, I think it's like all of those really it's um It's kind of a perfect storm in that it was a woman, a woman who had had managed to get three husbands and a fiance well, a lot of women uh couldn't get any. I mean, this was brought up during the trial many, many times. Um, so there was this uh, kind of uh, jealousy and hate at the same time of her. There was that she was a mother who had possibly killed her husbands and her son, that there was poison involved. And also I think it's because uh, trials were really a form of entertainment at the time. So people went to the trials because it was just uh, like her, her lawyer Harry Morris would say, and he's a big character in the book, um, you know, the- it's it's like a theater. It's like what you see is is the real thing. You see people crying. You see people s- jumping on tables. You see pe- people screaming, fainting. You know, it's all there right in front of you. And so, it was a, a great form of entertainment. And. In the world of entertainment as such at the time, there was this change of movies from silence to talkies and, you know, there was this kind of huge thing going on in movies at the same time. So I think kind of entertainment played a big role in it. And she just happened to be, plus her name. I think her name, one can't kind of diminish the fact that her name was like, here's a daisy, a flower, and she's a killer. So, and she was milking I mean, it for that... all she was worth. <laughs> yeah, to mix, to mix one's metaphors, the milking daisy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean, she wasn't, yeah. I'm just showing you a picture, she wasn't the, the kind of like the most glamorous woman around how on earth did she manage to get all these husbands and fiancés? i mean i'm sitting here and thinking you know i, I know a lot of kind of really good looking people what how did she do it did she like inveigle them into some kind of weird web of lies and deceit and then off them to get their money or what was the whole story how did this happen
2: well i think there are two things firstly that was her mugshot, and nobody looks particularly good like a couple of hours after they've been accused of murder and having like having a mugshot in the middle of the night um secondly if she you know i mean a lot of people have made much of her unattractiveness you know even the, her like the co-counsel on the court case said she was the ugliest woman he'd ever seen which I think is really going a bit far Um and also a friend of mine who's quite attractive said she looks like Daisy DeMilka when she wakes up in the morning sometimes so you know I, 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 I think that she um you know maybe she wasn't the most attractive woman but she had something you know she had this allure and obviously in those days they didn't talk about sex appeal Um but clearly she was a sexed woman or highly sexed woman and, um, I mean, she had five quick kids in quick succession with her first husband. So, I mean, they must have been doing something.
0: So. Well, well one um, would imagine, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think, um, even though they didn't talk in, in such kind of, uh, blatant terms in those days, I mean, she was probably a highly sexed woman. And she managed to attract men also on that. And she, probably p- very ni- and she was probably very nice. I mean, not probably. She was very nice in that she had a lot of women friends. Women seemed to be drawn to her, and she liked women. One must also remember that all of her, all of her um, victims. Suspected, vic- suspected victims were male. Um, her children, the, her fiancé, her husbands, and other people that she was suspected of killing. Read the book to find out.
1: Yes, it's kind of like used to run with Monster. So, mm-hmm. so Ted, um, when you speak about the entertainment value of it, this is how you came to actually write about Daisy, isn't it? You were writing about another person in entertainment, another book that that we need to read afterwards. So, so what happened there?
2: So I was writing about uh, I.W. Schlesinger, who was an American making movies in Johannesburg um, at the same time that Hollywood was rising, in about 1913 and onwards, and I wanted to make it into... all these incredible characters started popping up, you know, Houdini and George George Bernard Shaw, and they all seemed to be crossing paths in Johannesburg and in the country, and so I thought to make this big kind of ragtime... Um, story about Johannesburg because I think it gets underestimated in world terms of the role it was playing at the time. It was a world city. And um, so these criminals started appearing, which Johannesburg seemed to have a lot of, even in those times. Um, And it was going to be a story about all of them. And then just the murders kind of took over in a way and made their own story. So um, the movies were another part altogether and um, that'll be another book, but um, it kind of synced in, even though the the murderers didn't know the people in the movie story, not that I know of, um, there was this entertainment thing going on, I mean, Joburg was a very entertainment-driven city, and, and Daisy loved movies as well, you know, I mean she kind of saw herself in her last days as, as being this, the center of a movie that she was kind of writing the scenario for, so you know, entertainment was a big feature in Joburg then. It was theatres and roller skating rinks. And um, I mean, anything you can think of that they had overseas, they had it in Joburg. And um, so when the trials came in and they were a form of entertainment, I just, I loved that kind of aspect of it.
1: And from what I've heard, I read um, Dion Mayo, who of course is one of South Africa's most celebrated authors. I read what he wrote after he read. Uh, your book daisy damalka and um and it sounds like your book itself was also really entertaining and gripping and he was he had a deadline for something else apparently and couldn't put your book down so uh, yeah no, i pretty... mean i
2: was i was i was very uh, thrilled with that because i don't know him and i mean he said it was you know, like a page-turner and a thriller, but um, I think also people must remember that this is not a book just about Daisy, this is a book about also many of the criminals who were in Johannesburg at the time, so she's kind of the focus of uh, a huge pastiche of um, Johannesburg and its characters, and they came from all over the world, from Australia and from Europe and from England and America, and they found this kind of haven of crime in Johannesburg and so I try to draw a story of what was happening in Johannesburg at the time and how Daisy was hiding out in the shadows doing her evil deeds and um, so one will learn a lot about the Foster gang and Andrew Gibson and Herman Charles Bosman and all these other characters who were killing or doing other strange things at the time
0: how difficult is it actually to research something like this? I mean where do you go to for all of your source material to find out who knew who and what actually really did happen?
2: Well I mean it's, uh, I'm not a historian so it was pr- it was quite a difficult book for me to write because I'm used to like interviewing people as a journalist not as working through archives and newspapers and and everyone's dead I mean there's no anecdotal information you can get so um, the interesting thing for me was the more that I dug into books and newspapers, the more connections that I found. And so there was this like six degrees of separation between all the criminals that I never, I never set out to find. So, and they all lived in the eastern side of Johannesburg, and there was no, there was no reason why they should all congregate on the eastern side of Johannesburg, like Bertram's, Lawrenceville. Belgravia, Bellevue, I mean there was it just and it's like suddenly dawned on me one day oh my goodness they're all over there why and so you can imagine them like walking down the street one day and Herman Charles Bosman would have walked past Daisy would have walked past Andrew Gibson you know and so forth so it was it was quite interesting
1: and and for you, you have you have always had a passion for Johannesburg. So personally, this must have been amazing. Uncovering. I, I don't think I know anybody who knows as much about Joburg as you. And now you've uncovered even more. Does it make you want to write another book about more modern day criminals in Johannesburg?
2: <laughs> no, not really. No. Enough.
0: <laughs> no, I mean people. People be, have been drawing. From, this big. <laughs> people. Yeah.
2: People've been drawing comparisons like as I've been doing readings and stuff, people have been drawing comparisons with how like the modern day equivalent would be Tabo Besta or the Foster Gang's version would be the Cash and Transit Heists and, and so like everything has metamorphosed into something else but very similar. Um I don't know, I think I think I was drawn by that era, which I found quite colourful and they didn't really know what they were sitting on, this this City of Gold um, with mm-hmm. lots of potential. Um, so, I mean, the new book will be, of course, about Johannesburg, but the, the movie side.
1: Oh, I can't wait for that, Ted.
2: Yeah, it's, it's also interesting that, um, one of the people that, uh, was taking me around Johannesburg while I was doing some of the readings was saying, geez, you know more about Johannesburg than I do. Because, like, and it's true. I mean, I really do. I love Johannesburg. So being able to write a book about it was incredible.
0: Yeah, the good old days of Hollyfelt. And I mean, people don't a lot of the time understand or even know that Hollyfelt was older than Hollywood, which is quite interesting, I find.
2: I mean, it's not older than, but, um, you know, Hollyfelt, I think if people use that term even, it would be, they would think maybe in the 1950s, 1960s. Jamie Ace, those type of like early Afrikaans movies. And it started way before then. And, you know, if one looks at the movie industry today in South Africa, it all goes way back to Mm. Schlesinger's days. The advertising industry that he, that he bought into the, the movies that were being made, the fact that he wanted to invest in television. All of these things were happening back in the like 1910s and 1920s. So it's, um, yeah, and I mean, I think if the book makes, if Daisy makes, like, people look at Johannesburg a different way and say, wow, we live in this place that is so rich, um, you know, with all its, like, faults at the moment, and there are plenty of them, there's still this, you know, it was on the world stage a long time ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And and Ted last question but i know that um, i need to read the book to find out but but did, did she was she just greedy or did she have some lavish lifestyle that she cuz i i think she was killing them all for money
2: um, yeah, I mean, mistakenly, which a lot of the stuff that's on the internet about Daisy is actually wrong. Like they'll they put a picture in of a house that she never never lived in. There's a picture of a young, pretty young woman in her wedding dress. That's not her, you know. And, and people are writing a lot of wrong stuff about her. So the, yeah. the myth the myth continues, but it is a myth. Um, and they also say that she killed for the insurance money. She didn't actually kill for any insurance money. She. She didn't have to, because she inherited whatever her husband's left her, which was their estate. And so, I mean, her son, she did kill for the insurance money. Well, uh, she didn't kill him for the insurance money. The theory is she killed him because he was becoming a real a real problem. Um, and she she inherited like a couple of hundred pounds, which is not insubstantial in those days. But, I mean, she never killed for insurance money. And how she lived? There's no record of the fact that she lived lavishly. I mean, whenever she, her husband's died, she would move back into a rented room. Um, she would rent out the house that she owned or the houses that she owned. She owned about four houses in the end. She rented them out. She lived in somebody else's house in a room as a lodger. But she did buy a car in the early days, which was quite uh, amazing because people didn't buy cars. She took a trip overseas in Europe and England and Ireland. Uh, with her son, she bought him motorbikes. She bought him musical instruments. There's many things that came out in court where she spent her money. So I mean, looking at her, you'd think, well, she she didn't have much money. To, she didn't do anything with herself, considering she had quite a lot of money. But what she spent it on, she took that to her grave.
1: Oh, I can't wait for the showmax show, or not particularly showmax, but whoever's going to turn this into
0: a turn your book into a TV show. Well I'd you what so she's just basically your common ordinary garden variety psychopath in other words. <laughs> and I must say I'm rather glad that I live in the center of of Johannesburg rather than you know where Devil's is and of course on the East Rand where all of these people seem to have come from. <laughs> We're a little bit more civilized in the middle aren't we? I'm
2: not sure you know I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure she was a psychopath or a sociopath actually. I think she was uh, someone who didn't like men, for one thing. And I think something possibly happened to her when she was a child and she was growing up amongst 11 children of one family, um, maybe abused. I don't know. I mean, all of that she also took to her grave, but she was a strong woman. I mean, must, one mustn't think of somebody who, like, murdered people and just sat with her tail between her legs and was, like, hiding away. I mean, when she was in court for that month, which was a long trial, um, she was up front and center man she was scribbling away in her notebook and taking particular interest in people and um she was she was a strong she was a strong character and a looney tune there we go
0: (laughs) so your book of course is going to be i would imagine available in all good bookshops as well as online there we go. So Fantastic. don't miss out on finding more about the history of some of South Africa's most colourful people in the this this latest book, Daisy DeMelka. Mm-hmm. Right. By Ted Buota. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ted, for <laughs> joining us. And uh, best of luck with the book and sales. And may it go from strength to strength. Well, there we have it. I, would like to, I think it would have been quite nice to actually have lived in those days. I must admit that I am a bit of a, a history not a buff, but I I love the old stories about like the haunted houses and the ghost stories of the people in the Karoo. Do you remember all of those stories? They were like apocryphal, some of them obviously, but I did find out about the ghost Mm -hmm. at the Nottingham Road Hotel down in Nottingham Road itself. So yeah, a good read. It sounds like it's going to be a bit of a ripping yarn. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Jenny? Are going to be able to work your
1: way through it? No, definitely. I mean, honestly Mel, if you had seen what Dion Mayer wrote, it's
0: uh, and it I mean, couldn't of course, have been a, like a higher recommendation favorite writers he's absolutely yeah and you've interviewed him as well yeah Yeah. okay so let's get on to something else what one needs to do while one is reading a good book of course is have some snacks to hand which always brings (laughs) us to the idea of food and i think we were mentioning i can't remember when it was we were talking about i was talking on on facebook with um the new emporium that's open somewhere in portugal all over south african foods that you can buy in portugal and of course it just takes me back to the days of going and finding buddhavos in london and things like that Of course, we've got um, a big booty fest coming up, haven't we? Yes, in Poland. So, I mean, all around
1: the world, South Africans abroad can find Buravos, Um You know, it's just becoming so popular. And, um, yeah, in Krakow, in uh, Poland, there's a Fest on the 3rd of June. And on the 29th of May, there's um, a big bourrevos brown beer get-together at Kazimierz uh, Food Square. And they say come hungry and thirsty so i think it starts at about one o'clock
0: brilliant that's cool there's a lot of fests that are happening here in south africa as well so many things happening all at the same time it's difficult to get to all of them but you know try and make it get outside go and see go and support local music go and support local food um i know the deutsche school in johannesburg is having their their what's not an oktoberfest they're having their (laughs) Deutsche school bazaar which we usually go to as well to go and have a good taste of the german food yeah
2: (laughs) all right what else have you got in the way
0: of news from oh I've got to tell you one thing about news from expat for expats, not from yes. an expat, because one of my favourite people that I've interviewed quite a lot here on television in South Africa for gardening show um, is one of my favourite. Um, he he actually hybridises and creates the most beautiful aloes, and he's got this beautiful farm oh, just yes. out past Sports. His name's Andy Devet, yeah. and he's a so lovely, he's a lovely lovely friend oak. of yours. He's a friend, he's a friend, of, friend of mine. Yeah, oh, so Jibane. I've always gone in there. and He plays around not just with aloes, but also with plectranthus and, 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 and like these are plants, by the way, uh, yes. and with um, agapanthus, which are my favorite, favorite plants in the entire world. And he went and won the best plant on show at Chelsea with his cracker jack black, it's like almost a black purple agapanthus, which I'm just like so chuffed for him. I, I'm just like over the moon it's been such a long time since the south african plant i mean it is not just a south african variety but the actual plant. i mean an aggie which is an indigenous yeah yeah it's indigenous and and he does wonderful work
1: and mel it's not just a plant of the chelsea flower show they've actually called it the plant of the year you know and um and these are for like hardy plants that it's it's got so many advantages. fabulous and I don't know if you read our story, or you maybe know it already from Andy and Quentin Bean, but um, the story is really an incredible journey. It's taken them mm. almost twenty years. Twenty years. It took them seventeen years of of um, experimenting, etc., before they chose the one out of thousands. Mm. And then this is the one. And then they spent the next couple of years testing it to make sure it was
0: the one. The one. And of course it is the one because it's one. Yeah, and, and he's also been working on a, a pale pink variety of agapanthus as well, which I just can't wait for. I keep on saying, Andy, where's my agapanthus? Andy, I need this agapanthus. My garden goes pink at certain times of the year. I need this thing. <laughs> and he's breeding on making them so that they will flower for like 11 months of the year as well. I mean, oh, he's just beautiful. absolutely phenomenal. It's like magic. It's alchemy. I don't know what they do. Yes. It's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, so well done to you, Andy, and Quinton, Bean. You are my rock stars. Right. Yeah. Okay, we're going back to food again. What is this yes. now? now? I know Nando's is like renowned for their commercials and all kinds of wild and wonderful things. But of course, you know, I don't know if they have the same commercials overseas as we have in South Africa because they use particularly South African humor for their commercials here.
1: What? Yeah, I think I think I mean particularly in England where they think that Nando's is English and and you know anybody who becomes an English British citizen will go out and get a cheeky Nando's because that's considered the most English thing you can do. So um, so I don't even know if they need that much advertising because it's just that popular. Mm. But um, so I'm, I'm not aware of their ads of, of what the, the ads are. But Beyoncé was in Edinburgh recent th- this weekend, this past weekend, and um, ordered nearly two thousand pounds worth of Nando's. So they so they ordered it on her name, um, and it was for her crew. So I think altogether there were a hundred and ten Nando's chicken burgers, ninety Peters, some vegetarian stuff, and eight chicken thighs, just in case.
0: Just in case. <laughs> Yeah. Orlando's yeah. is, How cool is, is that? good. that. that whole ad with those lovely old people. I don't know if they'd like people would get kind of triggered by seeing those ads now, but you know, they all come to oh, I believe our next door neighbors are tail gunners. <laughs> Which is one of my favourite ads. I don't ever. know it. We <laughs> haven't been living oh, here for a while. <laughs> mm. They're very oh. cheeky. They're very, very cheeky with their ads. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, what else have we got in the way of news from expats?
1: Um, Well, we've had some winners, which is... um, uh, Winner, uh, winner, chicken dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You should be working for Nando's. Um, Glasgow Warriors, their boss, is um, actually a South African, Franco Smith. I think he used to be the um, coach for Cheetahs. And then he went and worked in Italy. Now he's in Glasgow. And he's been named the um, United Rugby Championship Coach of the Year. Coach of cool. the season for 2022-23, so yeah. that's pretty cool. And then, um, and and they lost actually in the semi-final and final. But he said this is just the start, and what he had accomplished before that was so awesome. Um, and then also Blitzbox star uh, Ricardo Duarte, he has won Rookie of the Year in oh, for excellent. for the entire 2023 World Rugby Sevens Awards so congrats to him about the rugby that was in london
0: up. rugby is coming soon
1: yeah but you mm. should be coming here because all the rugby is going to be in france i told you well, i need i need
0: welcome. a blesser <laughs> <laughs> if, I can, if you can find me a blesser i'll come there all right okay, <laughs> okay. and maybe maybe we should just talk to lift airlines about getting you know me over to france so i can come and do like we can do it straight in france at at the Rugby World Cup and make... Ten and yes. the, our blood is green. Because <laughs> be Airlines is be so doing awesome. some amazing stuff as well oh, here at the moment.
1: man. Well, remember last week we were talking about them, how all their staff are now wearing, uh, cabin crew, are now wearing felt skin. And they've yeah. taken some divine photos of them all lying in the airline seats with their feet in the in the passageway. Really, yes. really cool. Anyway, they've now done something even cooler, well, equally cool. Which is um, one of the K9 rescue and search dogs mm-hmm. made its first flight. So it's the first big dog to go on in South Africa. Obviously, around the world, other people have been doing it for years. But in South Africa, this is the first time that a K9 rescue and search police dog has gone on a comm- in the cabin of a commercial plane. It flew as a passenger. It flew as a passenger and the most with and, and just like with all the lift pets that are allowed, it you know, sat next to its human passenger. And the amazing thing about this is that it means that deployment can be so much quicker. Hmm. So more people can be found and rescued thanks to this, you know, the dog gets off the plane and is immediately fine, ready to go in cool. a lot quicker time so that I was that. i think i think so making history his name is jedi so just to remember jedi or jedi oh maybe
0: jedi maybe Sorry. jedi because he's a jedi warrior a
1: yeah yeah you could be right
0: <laughs> has he got a <laughs> lightsaber one wonders anyhow he yes, did look okay. happy
1: he had a smile on his face and dogs
0: always have smiles on their faces yeah, unless, they're, unless they're those really fierce ones <laughs> it's interesting. If you see dogs, pictures of dogs that are looking to be adopted, they always look so smiley and happy, and cats are always like, Don't look at me. Don't take my oh, <laughs> Anyway, shit. on to other stuff. What, go through it quickly. It's very cold in Joburg, and I need to get out of the studio and go and find a okay. the Well, There's a the snow. They, have... they've left the, they left the doors open again in the Midlands. Yeah, and the Eastern Cape, so there has been snow. Um, The
1: most beautiful story this week has been a lady who tried to remain anonymous. Her name is Lara Brunner, and um, she's one of the very many South Africans who saw a guy at the traffic light and wondered what's this story really you know and she kind of asked him because he was holding something and then she she drove off and, and she couldn't help herself she did a u-turn went back wrote took some photos wrote a story about it it's gone viral people are raising money for him i think you've seen it mm-hmm. um she she came across this guy his name is lucky he has a son emmanuel and he's a father doing whatever he can to help his child um his son is talented and deserves to go to fashion design school. And so Lucky and, and the rest of the country and Lara are trying to raise money for Emmanuel to go to fashion design school. So that's a really beautiful story. Um, for expats and South Africans, um, everybody loves Baker's tennis biscuits and everybody loves Rusks and now you can get them all in one. So that's pretty cool.
0: No? no. no no oh, i love me. tennis biscuits yes and i so, love oh, no. rusks I, I, I have a thing with coconut no hey, i like fresh I coconut,
1: and coconut milk so, so so have tennis biscuits always had coconut in them i think so that's what they say i've never noticed the coconut but i do well, love
0: coconut they, they are the best base for like um, a, a little milk tart or a cheesecake instead of and even peppermint crisp
1: has tennis biscuits in really yeah Boy. Okay. It's a secret ingredient. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um, all right, there
1: we and go. Then, <laughs> and then another sweet little story um, was a police officer, in in, uh for Johannesburg Metro. Hmm. And he was, you know, all the kids are crossing the road and he's standing there stopping the traffic. And he saw this little girl whose shoes were so tattered. And he asked her what size she was. And the next day he had Gave bought her. Shoes. Yeah. So that's really beautiful that he sort of,
0: Looked out us, look
1: Yeah, so cute. But talk um, about Metro
0: Police, I have to be honest yeah. that on my way to come here today I saw some yeah. Metro police actually doing some work and nearly fell off my horse. I <laughs> mean so my car out of my car <laughs> I was like, wow I was like driving past them and clapping my hands. Yay, you're workings. So you can actually see some policemen on the streets. Yay. Not oh, just well all the homeless then. guys directing traffic and they do a brilliant job by the way. They really do. Yeah. yeah.
1: But still a little scary. Um Backstreet Boys, as you know, have been in South Africa for their tour. Um right but the street, best thing back- is All right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who needs to go to the show? But the best thing is that they've really been promoting South Africa unintentionally because they've been able to tick a few bucket list items. One of which was shark cage diving. Uh, they also did breathtaking Signal Hill photos. Went to a rugby match and went and drank some wine in Stellenbosch so that's that's pretty cool and then on our more animal wildlife news as you know because of your daughter and everything um you know pangolins are one of the most trafficked mammals in the world I think in the last 10 years one million wild pangolins have been trafficked and killed one million um it turns which is about 300 a day turns out that about a thousand a year are killed um, by electric fences on Mm. game farms which are put there to stop the bigger animals escaping so right now pangolin friendly farm fencing and several other pangolin companies or organizations have got together and they are creating a new kind of fencing and
0: trialing it that'll that's still electric but
1: it won't kill the pangolins good
0: My daughter's back off because my my daughter being a a nature guide or trail guide or whatever they call them um, she's back off to the bush again from next week which is great for her so um, hopefully she'll see another one because she did get to see one I've never seen one but I do have whenever I hear that kind of story I want to go and join the anti-poaching unit. I'm a crack shot Mm -hmm. I'll be happy to go and take out some poachers no problem at all (laughs) Anyway let's get on to (laughs) something which is a little bit more entertaining. I've been sitting in an emergency Myself in Corfu um, recently with uh, watching the Durrells, uh, which I've been loving, and of course, uh, it took me back to the time I was living in Greece. And all of a sudden, my Greek started coming back (laughs) in Daxi, in Daxi, and I was just, and I thought, where did this suddenly appear from? It's been sitting in the recesses of my mind, so it's amazing what watching stuff on television can do for you.
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, um, at the moment, it's well, not now. It's Africa Month in June, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Is that when it's Africa Month? I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe it's maybe it's right now. I just know that there's an African month month because I live here. (laughs) And 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 the the movie that everybody you know the documentary that everybody is recommending the most, which we have spoken about before, is Blind Admission, uh, Blind Ambition, which is about the four guys from Zimbabwe who moved to South Africa, never drunk wine, but have become world class sommeliers and have won awards and. it has a 100% um, critics' rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Fantastic. Which is amazing. Um, then there's also, um, I, know you, I know you don't love it, but it's making a lot of news at the moment. Sorry, I've got somebody very angry outside my window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Jo <laughs> <laughs> I've always said the French drivers are the most like South Africans to me Where? They get straight onto that hooter. Um, yeah, it is Housewives, the Real Housewives, Fundy veinlander um, and, <laughs> and it's, made a, it's made a <laughs> lot of news because Anita Lloyd has been on, who is married to the CEO of KWV, who has stepped down, um, okay. and KWV say that it is coincidental, but a lot it of has people nothing to say do with her
0: being on TV and making.
1: And thank quite controversial remarks about um,
0: things, about wealth and things, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> Any of them. The hell but not know where to I not It's boring. It's
1: not And then Belinda Davids is going to be in Johannesburg in August doing a Whitney Houston tribute. And really interestingly, Mel, um, Liletti was telling me when she was talking to me about Sarafina that originally her role was meant to go to Whitney Houston, that's who they wanted, oh, really? but Letty was so much better for the role because she was the authentic centre,
0: you know, she had lived mm. that life so, um, yeah, interesting no, Fantastic, so lots to okay. go and see, lots to read, lots to ponder on, and of course I'm <laughs> sure that there's lots of news out there that you'd love to share with Jenny, for sappeople.com and on the Facebook page, so don't forget to get along and do that and for all of our expats out there who religiously listen to this a big shout out to all of you roy medina keep it going (laughs) he shares every single week he loves it he says it's the one way of keeping in touch with south africa and we make him laugh let's hope we keep (laughs) doing that yeah (laughs) we'll see you again next week take good care darling
1: thanks mal bye
2: you've been listening to another solid gold podcast